Retro Rebel Gamecast, episode 46, is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for you, the listeners. Retro Rebel is released every week, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Every week but last week. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and that was totally my fault for not releasing last week. And with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Yes, it was your fault. It was my fault. <laughs> How oh, dare you say. have baby and life how, choices? How I, I know it. It is. It's one of those things where you just. It's like. It's like watching. Uh, a, de- a decision that you make and knowing that there's literally nothing you can do about it, and and you're just having to watch the consequences of it. And that that's a mm-hmm. baby. That's a baby in a nutshell. You know, it's like I cannot. I cannot alter the the events. This is not going to get posted, and uh, and it didn't. And I apologize, but. <laughs> um, it will, it will get posted. So, but anyway, okay. So, what have you been up to? What haven't I been up to, man? I've been playing Far Cry, uh, the what is it called? The one where Primal. you're a caveman. Yes, Primal. That's pretty good. Been playing that, and then I got Sims Four in, and now I have no life anymore because I've like recreated my existence including my husband and our apparent new child named London, which is quite funny. I clicked the random button, and the first choice that came up was London spelled with a Y, and I was like, nailed it. Nailed it, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, uh, I've, I've been playing some sports. pretty fun. I will say that sometimes, like, it gets a bit tedious. Like, I wish, like, I felt that I had time to go out into the world and do things. But I feel like these Sims need toilets all the time. Like they just need (laughs) toilets everywhere. And if you're not around a toilet, man, she, so it just, I know I haven't, I'm going to branch out and do more things in the world. I've, I've hosted two birthday parties, one unsuccessful because I didn't realize that you had to go a place where you could bake a cake. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, who knew life could be so hard. Who knew? So my little digital husband, Frank, was very angry that someone forgot his birthday, even though we wheeled everybody out, hired a carrier, did everything, and yet I didn't know to click the button to bake a cake and then apply candles to it. So, whoops. Whoops. <laughs> whoops. But I just remodeled our house. We now have a lap pool. Nice. It's very cool. So One of the first things I did was so make far. a waiting pool. I mean, there's They're it's like, sunny. There's it's sunny there. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, uh, I'm like a hacker, like a level nine programmer. Yeah. 
and Frank is like the opening act entertainer or whatever, which is much more glamorous jobs than the jobs we have in real life. So, <laughs> although I didn't let him be an astronaut because I just refused, that's just make believe now. Yeah, no, that's just <laughs> you cannot just dis- you can't suspend your belief for that. Uh, yeah, yeah like, I couldn't. Yeah, it's just like there's no, no one would believe that. But I, I I do have found a couple of things about Sims I find irritating. First off, it has got to be way easier to play on a PC. On a console, it is so fiddly-diddly because you're trying to control the mouse like a mouse cursor with your, like, joysticks. And I find that to be quite imprecise. I end up clicking on things I don't want to click on. And, like, because time is always going unless you pause, like, I find that I'm just missing opportunities to just maximize my time use better, which wouldn't be an issue with a mouse where you're just better at using it. Um, so that's my number one critique. Number two, having a baby in the game is excruciatingly irritating <laughs> because they're, they're not very clear about the baby's needs and you don't seem to be able to like click on the baby to like look at its needs and stuff yeah. when it's not a toddler yet. So, a couple times it was like, your baby needs food, otherwise Child Protective Services will take him away. And I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, so I ended up just doing the hire a nanny thing. I did that, like, pretty much until the kid was, like, a teen. Like, I had a job. Teen. Yeah, until I had a job. Yeah. 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 But our house is pimp AF. We've got free computers, big screen TV. Like, it's all super modern design, really sleek or whatever. It's just small. <laughs> does it have a does it have a place to bake a cake in it? It does have a place to bake a cake, although I do need to upgrade the kitchen. So far I've upgraded every room but our like the master bedroom in the kitchen. Yeah. But we've got like brand new bathroom, like pool, study, the kids' rooms, ball AF man. I wish that was my room. It's really sick. Like just a giant stuffed unicorn in the corner and it's really adorable. Now, is there is there a level of disappointment or depression that sets in after you've created this life for yourself that doesn't even that pales in comparison (laughs) i'm pretty sure well (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's going to get worse as time goes on because frank the my husband in the game and in real life life. frank's already (laughs) aged up Uh so he has, like, gray hair and is, like, tired all the time. So I'm pretty sure he's not long for this world. Oh, no. So <laughs> when I end up being a widower, I think that's going to be yeah, starkly dude, depressing. This is going to be bad, yeah. Yeah, but that's what I've been doing. Ooh, that sounds like a lot. You have a whole other life going on. I know, I do. Yeah. Um, well, I have been busy with work, so... This time I haven't really been able to play very much, but I did download um, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided, which was uh, free on uh, PlayStation. So it was one of the PS uh, Plus games that they give you, just like Xbox that is Gold. Such a good game! Yeah, I really enjoyed that game. I knew you did, very and I remembered uh, remembered you saying that. So um, just play sneaky, sneaky. Level up your sneak, like level up your stealth attack. Just yeah. do that, and the whole game is easy peasy. Yeah, like go full melee. Like don't even worry about trying to shoot people. You no. don't have to. Okay. <laughs> Not really. No, you can use the like stun gun. Yeah. Like, do non-lethal. Yeah, do sneak, sneak and lo- non-lethal. Yeah. Brilliant. The stun gun doesn't make any noise. So, right. <clears throat> you just zap and bitches. Zap. 
See, and that's the way I played the first one, and that was, you know, that was a complaint I've had on one of the other episodes of this show, is that uh, I don't know if I had heard that the, some of the boss fights were uh, developed by an outside company, third entity or something, uh, and not necessarily by Square uh, or Ido. So, you know, so whenever you would you develop your stealth in the first game, and then you'd go to use those skills against a boss, and it would be shite i mean you can't use it. it doesn't work and so like i played the whole game a particular way and then i had to play the boss fights a completely different way and that was frustrating yeah no this one there really wasn't any problem with it especially the like final boss fight yeah. like stealth is totally the way to go because if you level up your stealth your melee fighting um like your hand-to-hand combat and then you get the like armored shell like armor basically you just smack him run away recharge your armor hide go back smack him i mean that's what i did like you know i think i had a rocket launcher as well so i might have just rocket launched in the face a couple times but because if you're if you get you if you get good at using vents like really good at using vents yeah boss fight is super easy i think i was over in like seven minutes oh wow okay well I'm looking forward to playing. I started playing it, so but I'm still at the very beginning of it. And one of the things that's interesting about that game, I don't think it does this on the Xbox, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. On the PlayStation, uh, there's a speaker in your controller, apparently. This was alarming as I started to play. Okay. Yeah, as I'm starting to play, like whoever is talking to me from the helicopter right at the beginning... Uh, you know, it's your commanding officer or whatever, and you, you jump out and you're on the building and you're supposed to infiltrate it. This is a, literally the very first thing you do. As I was playing, and, or I started down and I turned the first corner or whatever, my controller starts talking to me. And basically, it's the radio from my commanding officer up in the helicopter. And so on the TV, you'll hear my voice. So, like, my response to him will be on the TV. But when he talks to me, it comes out of the controller. That would have freaked me out. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was alarming, a little bit alarming. I was it's like, Whoa. cool, though. Like, that's cool. really cool. Yeah. No, Xbox doesn't have this. Yeah. Doesn't have this. It has, like, a, like, gentle rumble. Yeah. Like, which is hard to explain, and, like, force feedback on the triggers. Yeah. So, like, even the triggers will, like, rumble and stuff. I, that's the coolest thing about the Xbox One controller, but... Yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't, I don't have, I won't have that experience, but it was um, one of the free games, so I'm not complaining. I'm so jealous. I wish it was free on mine. I'd play yeah. it again. <laughs> well, it's, I downloaded that one. Um, I think I downloaded another one of the, one of the Xbox games that's, uh, so I'll look forward to playing that as well. I don't know which one it is. It was free, so free's good. Uh, but that's really the only, the only, the main game I got to play. I'm still trying to finish finish celeste uh and it's it's just brutal and um and so it's kind of discouraging for me especially for someone who doesn't have a lot of time to play i don't i kind of want to see some some achievement or progress and when i play the same part of a level for 10 or 15 minutes it's kind of why i think i put cuphead to the side is that it's like I have 15 minutes and I have not finished a level and I've just died maybe a hundred times. So I'm going to stop playing this for a while. Well, Deus Ex is not a 15 minute situation. I think you need to invest at least an hour to feel like you've gotten somewhere. Right. 
No, I, I see that. But but what I like about that, though, is you are making progress through the game. So 20 minutes of dying and not finishing a level, that doesn't <laughs> motivate you to play 15 or 20 minutes more. But if I'm, like, progressing a story and, uh, you know, and there are NPCs I have to talk to or, you know, it, there's there's obvious, there's a goal I can achieve and something I can work towards. Uh, and that makes that makes it seem like you're doing something. And so I can, I'll, I'll keep playing. It's not that I only had 15 minutes. It's that after 15, it's something. 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yay. It's uh, it's that little that little bit that I needed. So. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I, that's all I've been playing. I really haven't had a whole lot of time. Uh, but I mean, I can't have, obviously you haven't had, I've just raised a baby in Sims. I know how hard it is. You I know just hired a nanny. <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> You hired just, a nanny. It was you hired $140 else a day. Yeah, you're like, it's worth it. This it was baby so can't worth tell it. me yep, any like of the things it needs. <laughs> and it's just not fair. I know. That may be the most realistic thing about that game. Is the baby. It was, you know, it was pretty real. Also, I took my fake husband in the game on a date, a romantic date. And it's like, oh, in order to get gold stars of this date, you need to, like, do X actions or whatever. I didn't realize that the date has, like, a timer yet. Yeah. So if you finish all the actions before the timer's up, you kind of just got to, like, entertain yourselves. So I saw there was, like, a piano in the corner. I was like, oh, I'm going to level up my playing skill, especially because all these people that are here on the date, I don't care if they get mad that I can't play because right. they will. Um Anyway, while I was doing that, my fake husband was flirting with some other lady. I ended up putting <laughs> a drink on him and walking out. <laughs> I mean, you can't leave him alone for five minutes. And then you see, and then your real husband Frank walks in, and you're mad at him because it's something he never even did. <laughs> oh my god, this has started endless arguments in the house. You have no idea. Like, I made, I tried to make us as realistic as possible. Yeah. So like, he is like obsessed with like wanting a really nice house and whatever. That's his like Sims goals, yeah. and that's his goals in like real life. Right. Whereas mine is like, I want a good job. Blah blah blah. He's a neat freak. I'm not, so I'm like, <laughs> so we'll be sitting, we'll watch you play. He'll be like, did your sim just leave that trash right there? I'm like, yep. He's like, I'm going to be mad when I wake up. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, like, I cannot even tell you, like, how, he's like, why would you do that? You know it angers me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Just trying to keep it real. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe don't play real life Sims with your real life, but but the other like the other alternative is like making a completely different life, which I feel has its own share of pitfalls. Oh, for <laughs> so. sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's still pretty funny though. <clears throat> so, well, that brings us to our first topic today, and this is uh, this is I think this will be a good, somewhat heavy. This may be a heavy show, but we'll see. So, um. You thought up a topic about looking at the differences between DLC and microtransactions. And is one necessarily better than the other? We've talked about loot boxes before, the EA algorithm. We've talked about, you know, just how um, the gaming industry has kind of manipulated us uh, and, and maybe just our experience in gaming. So is there really a difference between downloadable content and microtransactions? And uh, is one better than the other? Thoughts. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a departure stance. I'm gonna take an unusual stance for what I would usually take, and I'm going to say there is a difference between 
downloadable content and microtransactions. Okay. To me, microtransactions are small purchases that either give you in-game currency or a cosmetic item or a temporary buff. Yeah. But right. they're temporary, like non-story related stuff. Sometimes it can be harmful or not. That's not exactly what the topic is today. More importantly, just like defining what we think the difference is. Whereas right. downloadable content, I would say is in-game usable, like full stats items. So armor or whatever that you can use in the game that isn't necessarily better or different from something you can get in the game, but maybe it's like a collector's edition or an homage to a different game. You know, that sort of thing. Um, and then full, like, story add-ons. So almost like um, like seasons or how Blizzard does their expansions. I would say that's what downloadable content is, where it actually provides you more than just stuff, money, or buffs. If it's just stuff, money, or buffs, to me, that's microtransactions. If it's story, like you go on a mission to get an armor pack as a reward, or you get a whole other island added on that you can explore with like loads of extra content, and usually downloadable content is more expensive. So it's like $10 to $30, depending on what it is. But I would argue that downloadable content is good for a game because it allows you to extend your playtime. Right. So at a fraction of the cost of purchasing a new game, like Dragon Age Inquisition, I purchased every piece of story-based downloadable content. I didn't buy any of the armor packs or whatever because I'm not about that life, but all the story add-ons, everything, and I did them all because I already had like 300 hours in Dragon Age and I wanted Ooh. 400. You know what I mean? Like, that I, if if they would release more, I would buy more. But like, I, sometimes I think that they get a bit obsessed about releasing a sequel, whereas they could do more of the Blizzard model and just have a single game that gets expansions added to it. Right. Um, because I honestly feel like. I'm not that interested in playing tons of different IP because I play so many games generally that 90% of the games I play are not very memorable. Right. So when it comes to a game that I really like, like Dragon Age or Mass Effect or Witcher or whatever, I, want, I just want more of that. And I don't want to wait two years for more of that. If they could be constantly releasing downloadable content, every quarter or every six months and just do that for five years brilliant like good yeah you know that, that to me would be better than going and having to purchase a brand new 60 dollar game and play from level one up i'm more interested in what happens after i'm already awesome you know like <laughs> more of that yeah it seems <laughs> like it would be cheaper for the for the publisher or for the the developers to just come up with downloadable content that you would extend the game on the console of choice whatever it is you know currently on uh, that that would just 
be money. You know, it's like I, we can continue. We don't have to build anything from the ground up. You're just adding on to an already polished game experience. Uh, you know, adding adding more story. And I think that's I think that's a, actually a really good idea. I don't I don't see the downside because to me it seems like it would cost them more to do to build a new game and sell it for sixty dollars instead of already having all the assets and selling it for twenty dollars. Well, I'll tell you what the downside is. The downside is is that they don't get the full market captured by that. So when they release a new IP or a sequel, everyone who played the last game that liked it goes and buys this new game. Right. When they download DLC, maybe 30% of people who play it download it. Yeah. I think if they called it an expansion people would understand that it's essentially, like, the sequel, you know? Well, I think, um, to me, that already tells me that it's I need it. Like, I am expanding on the game. Like, this is a game that you like. This is an expansion of that. And st- instead of just, or an extension, but an expansion. I think X-Pax, or Xbox, whatever you want to call them, um, for, you know, MMOs just like Battle for Azeroth, which is about to release, well... It will release this year. Not, it's not about to. But up until the point it releases, they're going to continue to patch content into World of Warcraft until the expansion is released. But like, I didn't think. I don't even really think about wanting it until it's officially available to order. And now this expansion is available. I love this game, and it. I yeah, I think that just changes the way you frame it in your mind if you just call it something different. Yeah, but I can see why they don't do it, because people like me, who take specifically World of Warcraft, yeah, yeah. I gave up playing about three years ago, Yeah, because, you know, I just didn't have the time to invest it, yada, yada, yada. Now I'm so many expansions behind, I'll never pick it up again. Yeah. But True. if they released a World of Warcraft 2, where everyone starts from the beginning again, I would yeah. probably try to pick it up. You want to know why? Because I'm so far behind. Like, I can't raid. I can't do anything. I'm All my gears old. I would have to, you know what I mean, like, completely start from scratch, basically. So I think that's why, financially, publishers don't tend to do that. You probably get one year of DLC after game release. Two, if you're super, super lucky, and it's something like Elder Scrolls, you know. But, but even Elder Scrolls, they would rather just re-release a remastered edition at full price. Yeah. You know, and there's there's really nothing new in it. It's just got improved graphics. And they can charge you $60 for a brand new game because it in- includes story and multiplayer most of the time. When they just sell you story, they can't charge you 60 bucks for it, like because it's half of what the original game came with. Right. So, and you wouldn't you wouldn't buy DLC that contained 50% of what you don't want. Like Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. But I so think they should do it. I do too. I do too. And I, I think if they called, well, I take that back because as I was about to finish that thought, uh, there's a lot of DLC for Dragon Age and The Witcher that, and for Skyrim that had I gotten to be able, had I gotten through those games, I would have definitely downloaded that. You know, I would have downloaded that content because for Mass Effect, I downloaded all of it. All the DLC for Mass Effect uh, 3, for sure. I don't know if there was much for 2, but I know for 3 there was. 
And so for three, every bit of downloadable content, uh, all the characters that you could get with their little side stories. I think it was like 12 bucks for a character and a little side story. But what, and that, that brings me to, to my next point. One, one of the things that made that desirable for me was that was added content later in the game. You know, uh, well, although I take it back, wasn't there one character on Mass Effect 2 that you could you could buy early? That was yeah, not, I think so. Yeah, there was like a pirate. Um, yeah, like, I think yeah, so. Or like a mercenary, something like that. He was like a mercenary. I remember him. Yeah, and I remember him because I did get him, um, and I didn't think I was about to contradict myself by saying the uh, the downloadable content that you can buy. Uh, before a game is even released, that adds to the experience is kind of bullshit, you know. Yeah, that should just be in the game. That should just be in the game. And one thing about that particular downloadable uh, piece there was, if you didn't have that character, it changed the story, but very, very, I'm like almost you didn't even notice it. It was unnoticeable for the most part. Mm. Uh, like whatever his little side quest was and what he did, you would find him on that outpost. Uh, you know, the one that was run by the Asari. Um, Love the Asari. Yeah, I can't remember which which uh, what it's called. But anyway, he was on that outpost. And if you bought it, you'd see him in the hallway. If you didn't buy it, he wouldn't be there. And if you and if you talked to him because you, you bought it and you talked to him, then he'd join your crew. And he was probably one of the best warriors you could get, one of the best guys on your team and your squad. Kind of OP a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so I remember having him in there. But the point being is, is I think that it it has evolved to where that DLC that's sold or or put behind a paywall that's already built into the game uh, and is not released or with the game, but you know, kind of piecemeal, you know, force fed to you. If you want it, you can buy it. If not, it's going to be here. But we're not going to let you have it. It's already here, but we're not going to let you have it. I think that that's, I think that's just bad. I think that's bad business, and I think that uh, in terms of that's that is the bad type of DLC, in my opinion. Yeah, you know what I would like to see though, and this sounds strange, but I would like to see if you've purchased and played all of the previous games that there's some sort of recognition of that in the game. Like, yeah, you can import your saves and stuff like that, but kind of like a deluxe edition for people that are fans of the franchise, that I would like to see. Because I feel like that's not recognized enough when somebody's right. kind of done done the whole gamut. Yeah. Just, you know, and it's, again, it's probably not something that can affect, I mean, maybe like a buff or some weapons or skins or something that, recognizes that you're a part of or that you've gotten the three games in the series or whatever. Yeah, I think that would be quite cool because I don't tend to get digital deluxe editions or collector's editions or whatever because the extra money like usually isn't worth it. But I feel right. like I would get every game in a series if it was more common to have a benefit for doing so. Sometimes I'll come late to a franchise and I don't even bother like playing the first one. Right. Um, because I'm like, oh, it must not have been that good, and usually that's true. So, you know, like, as far as it's the, the improvements, I mean, you know, the South Park games is the best example. Like, they made so many improvements in the second game that the first one was a bit tedious to play when it came to the actual combat. 
So I think a lot of people wouldn't go back and play the first one, especially if there's no quote unquote benefit to do so. You can't import characters or anything like that, really. So yeah, yeah. You uh, telling me that was all I needed to hear to not play the first one, even though I know it's probably <laughs> funny. Um, but with limited time, I need to get to it. So yeah. Like like Halo, for example, when you do the like they they went and sold the Master Chief Collection, which has like all five games in it, five, four, five, something like that. Um, but I think I've only made it through to the third one because it's just such a massive like time investment to replay all these games all over again. Yeah. Um, and and then the fifth Halo, of course, isn't co op, so disappointment to Dis- us all. Disappointment. <laughs> Yes, it is. So, I guess in your opinion, is there one better than the other? Is DLC microtransaction? Is there is there advantages? One is one better than the other. I think. I think yeah. I think DLC provides you with like an increased experience in the longer term. Yeah. So you know you get more for your money if you're just buying coins and stuff like that. You're just like improving your initial like the initial part of the game you're not experiencing more like so if and if you need to buy that many microtransactions and stuff maybe you need to just lower the difficulty right well and i think that you can also look at the microtransactions as as uh and i think you mentioned it as just aesthetic changes or you know superficial things that that are really more for personal flair um but I think that a lot of that stuff should be unlockable. Um, I think it's an interesting conversation. I don't think there's anything inherently bad about either of these DLC or micro contract or uh, microtransactions contractions. Um, that's the baby on the brain. And uh, yeah, exactly. So um, no, I don't think there's I don't think there's anything inherently evil about either one of them. I think it's the way that they are employed. So. Uh, I like I like the idea of DLC as as extending my my play or my my time spent with a particular game, being able to stay in that world for a little bit longer. I think that's uh, that's the biggest upside for that. Um, microtransactions. I don't. I mean, I, I'm guilty of buying or or spending money on microtransactions, just like I think everybody is. I've even spent money on Pokemon Go. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I, I think I have as well, actually. If I uh, yeah, I think I definitely have. Yeah. Well, they they had they had a uh, their their system for pokeballs and stuff like that, and uh, was was broken, and so I think you almost had to. But it was to. it was free to play, so I didn't feel bad. I think this right. is the thing. I didn't pay anything for the game, and I was happy to support it because I was having fun. Right. That's different. Like when you pay sixty pounds for a game. Like, 60 pounds is so much more than $60, can I tell you that? Like, yes. first off. Like, <laughs> it's just so much more money. Yeah. Um, and then when you pay 60 pounds for a game, and then you get you, you get into it, and all these other people look way cooler than you're ever going to look because you're not willing to spend 100 pounds on the game. Right. You know, like, that's unfortunate. However, when you spend 60 pounds for a game, and you're loving it, and you reach the ending, and you feel like a badass, and you just want to know what happens next, yeah. And they give you that, that's perfect. You see, and, and I like... And, and, what's that? I'm sorry. You were saying? And, and microtransactions in a free-to-play game, I don't mind them so much because if the game is providing you with enjoyment, 
then you should pay something. That's my like personal opinion. Like right. if you're having fun with it and you think that this thing is going to make you have f- more fun, then if you had paid $5 for the game to begin with, you wouldn't have been mad anyway. So right. I don't really worry about that. It's only when they're in full price games that I get super angry about it because it's kind of like a bait and switch. I thought I paid for this game, you right. know, like, right. well, you know, like, I no. think the, uh, to me, one of the best, the best example of this for me is, World of Warcraft, where I think it's done correctly. Now, I don't know that they do everything. I'm not going to say Blizzard does everything right, because I know that they do not. But one of the things that I really like about uh, Warcraft is, let's say, for instance, and you've played it before, so you kind of can speak to this. If you were to see somebody who was in Vanilla WoW, who you know, had, had raided, um, oh, the uh, not the Firelands, but... Um, Basically, the, there are some of the, the early raids, and you could tell that they had like their first tier set, or let's say it's later in game, and you see that they've got the tier 13 armor, and that is armor you can only get if you have, if you basically farmed that raid for weeks. You know, there's a sense that's a badge of honor. You cannot buy that, and there's nothing you can buy in game that will put you in a position where you can do any of that. Now, what you can buy as a microtransaction is you can buy a like a uh, a glamour pet or a mount um, but the thing is is in game everyone knows that you bought that mount because it's the only mount that looks like that and so yeah there is a point of pride i think in any game where you can only earn certain things and when you you know and people will sit on their mount and just sit in one of the the capital cities just so you can see it stormwind yeah, just so you can see it. And they're like, uh, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of super badass. I, I had the Onyx Dragon Mount three weeks after the Jade whatever expansion launched. Did you? The Onyx Dragon, the one you had to farm with eggs using the, like, the plug-in from Curse yeah. in order to track the egg spawns. I did that for, like, weeks until I finally got it, and I was so proud and everyone was shitting themselves that so was like one of the few people on my server that had it that's right um, yeah but i and you couldn't you know you couldn't buy this mount you had to get it that way it's yeah. the only way to get it. so that's and i think that's awesome and i think that's a way to do it where i think it's done right where none of these things really have any bearing on your game whether you you know it's it's uh they don't change you're not going to be able to advance in the game or anything like that and there's definitely i don't think the stigma is the right word but but it kind of is that is that there's a stigma with these uh or at least you can easily identify those that purchase their mounts and those that actually had to grind and and uh raid to get them and so you're not fooling anybody nobody's fooled by the pets you get or whatever else because they know which ones are purchasable and which ones are not so i think that's a way where dlc and 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 micro or microtransactions definitely dlc uh, you know, it's not fair to compare it to an MMO because every time they release a patch, I'm paying $15 a month to continue to play this game. They patch it. I'm still paying for the game, though, you know, so they may add content, but every month I'm paying. So so I don't know. I don't know if that, that is a, a fair way to do it. I know that um, Star Wars, um, the, old Re- the Old Republic, that MMO is still adding content, but I know that the population's dwindled and it's gone free to play. So, yeah, um, 
I did so, play it for a very short period of time, but there was like nobody there, and I just found it kind of depressing. Well, and that's why I just wished it would have been a single player, you know, game because that's how I ended up having to play it as a single player, and I loved it. I loved Star Wars: The Old Republic as a game. There were just a lot of things once you got up into the higher area content, or you go into a planet and there's no one there, you know, other than NPCs. And you can obviously tell this is meant to be an MMO, so this is supposed to be a living, breathing world, and no one's here. So. Yeah, I felt I felt very much about that. All right, well, I think yeah. we've beaten this topic over the head. It's dead. It's dead. Which brings us to the topic of Audible, our sponsor. Audible has been around for over <laughs> 20 years, providing a great service to you, the listeners. Help us out by heading over to audible.com and check out their trial service of a free audiobook and 30-day trial by entering audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Amanda, what is our recommendation today? We've got a cool one today. It's actually a documentary audiobook called The Dark Web, um, and it explores uh, the dark web where, you know, there's it's a lawless environment that everybody talks about, but they go and tell you exactly what the reality of the dark web is like because sometimes things are blown out of proportion or maybe they're not talked about enough. Um, so it's 10 hours and you can learn about corporate hackers, fraud, gun runners, spies, specialist police, drug dealers, all sorts of things that go down on the dark web. Um, and it's pretty highly rated. So I recommend everybody check it out with their free trial. Everyone try to get on the dark web. That's your homework assignment. No, don't try to get on the dark web. Just, oh, just, sorry. Read the, just listen to the book. <laughs> you can head over to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast to get that free title now. Or you can choose from over 180,000 other titles today. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and get your free 30-day trial started today. Topic two. And I think this builds on some of the other topics that we've had in the past and the, and the one that we just finished discussing with DLC and microtransactions. All of these are kind of lumped into some of these um, some free-to-play, some fee-to-pay games. But... Uh, is single player dead? You know, there's been a, this this surge of games that are just multiplayer, um, with Fortnite and, and PUBG being two of the of the big ones. Now, the 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 good thing about those games is they are free. However, there is no campaign. There is not really much story to speak of. It's just a hundred people in a you know in a, on an island murdering each other. Uh, until there's one man left standing. The difference is Fortnite, you actually get to dance and emote, and it's kind of cartoony, so it's not quite as uh, brutal or, or realistic. But it seems that the single-player experience is, is, um, is, has diminished over the years, and, and, and the trend is to eliminate it, uh, or at least that's what it appears to be. What are your thoughts? Do you think that the single-player experience in gaming is dead or at least it is uh, on its way out well i think most of the publishers would want to kill it from a financial perspective it's a lot cheaper to create a sandbox and fill it with guns and let the people make their own story than it is to hire a team of writers and animate loads of things and create story you know uh story trees and things like that you know, it's way cheaper to make a game that's just an open world experience with no story content. Um, and that's why you're seeing a lot of it. But 
I wouldn't go so far to say single player is gay is dead from this from the one perspective that in multiplayer games people don't role play properly. Right. So yeah. you get kicked out of the immersion really quick when someone you hear someone just chatting with his mate about football. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's not, you know, that's not what we're all about, aren't we in the middle of a zombie apocalypse like what's going on, you know? Yeah. You you do lack the immersion that you find in a single player game when you're playing by yourself you're in that world you are that character the second you bring other people into the mix like you know mmos are famous for this there are some role-playing guilds where you have to be in character the whole time right because that's the only way to ensure that you can play it as if it were single player a lot of fun but even that doesn't work for anyone you know? that's uh, anyone that's never done it before, it's a lot of fun. Even if it's just to you, just want to appreciate and enjoy others doing it. It's actually very, it's pretty cool to do. Yeah, I think it's it, it depends on the context of the game. I I find it difficult to take any uh, sword and fantasy RP very seriously. Like I play Dungeons and Dragons a lot, like not a lot, but I play it frequently in real life. Yeah. And that to me is easier because you're like interacting with the people like face to face, but on a computer, <laughs> I find <laughs> it a little bit like more difficult because I'm just like, who are you and why are you typing all these shells? But in other sort of uh, experiences, like you know, The Matrix Online was a failed game. I can admit that, but they had a really good RP community, and you felt like you were in the Matrix if you're around the right people. Um, right. And I think that's a little bit easier to RP, like, to suspend your disbelief. But going back to single player as a topic, I don't think that it will ever truly die because that is, to many people, myself included, the funnest part of gaming. I find it really hard to enjoy a story when there's an eight-year-old kid running around in circles next to me, you know, and he looks like a mean? ninja. Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think when you're in a single-player game, your character's movements are the only thing you need to be concerned about. And if you're halfway decent at controlling a character, like, you know, you can make it look as though you belong in the environment. If you're right. relying on other people to do that, like, everybody loves to run fast. Yeah, they want to run fast, fast as possible. Like, especially if they give you some sort of, like, glide movement. If that's the fastest way to get around, everybody's going to do that. But it looks horrible, like, in the game, with 20 people, like, sliding all over the place, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it kind of, it ruins the ambiance. So I would say single player is never going to be dead as long as there are people that want ambiance in their games. That's my yeah. take. Well, you know, I definitely don't think that single player is dead. Um, I think that it's easy to maybe see that way or see it as it's that is the trend. And, and because I think that to a degree it is, I think that there are going to be less single player experiences going into the future. Um, but I think that maybe in some ways that might might not be the worst thing that that we may get really quality single player experiences. So, for instance, you got Wolfenstein, which was released last year which is a really good single-player experience. Um, a great story. It's also a single-player experience in one of the genres that is just typically not seen, and that's first-person shooter. So 
you know, you have a first-person shooter, single-player experience only, and uh, you know, and and it was just a really well well done story and 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 uh, experience game gaming experience is brutally hard, but still was was fun, and so I think that and it sold really well, and that's I think the key is that it's not like it was a a failed game that you know was just critically well received but didn't sell. It sold, uh, and and so it did make money. And so there's obviously a market for it. There's obviously people who still enjoy this type of experience, and I don't think in that respect that it will go away. You know, Mario. I know that you're not a Zelda person, but Nintendo does. They want to bring people together, but they do have some of the best single player experiences. Horizon may have multiplayer components and although i haven't played it yet it has been critically received sold really well and is a single player experience you know that is the majority of the game so my hope is is that even though i i see the trend in a reduction of the number of single player experiences um i i don't think that it's we're in danger of losing them at least not anytime soon you know i think they're still gonna there's still enough money to be made and for them that's really what matters I agree. I agree. And I think the reason why we're seeing more multiplayer only games is just because they're cheaper to make, you know, and coming off the back of a big recession when every industry took a hit, they're just trying to get back into people's wallets however they can. So if they can release a game now, it's better to release one now than two years from now. And it's just faster to make these sort of games. That's my like personal belief, you know, and aside Aside from a few genres, if you want an immersive experience, you can't really play multiplayer. I would say a, in, in a, uh, StarCraft or the other sort of battle simulating games, you know, like Civilization, is probably an exception because you don't interact with the opponent at all. So you're looking at the environment, you know, you're looking at the, the troop movements and stuff. That is more immersive you kind of can imagine that you're like some sort of starfleet captain you know something like this but well, duh. you know yeah yeah the run around and shoot them you know with everybody else i think yeah you lose something there um and yeah, yeah. well the, the, the multiplayer experiences where they you know this is one that was if anyone any of the listeners ever played socom or socom 2 even though there was just super bugged and full of cheaters but um it was a game where you create your clan and that clan of four or five people that's like your i mean that is your clan you can you can name your clan you have your clan gets ranked um and basically it's just like a it's a seal squad of and i can't remember how many people you had but it was six eight people maybe less maybe four or five people and your squad of people um, you interacted together and, and you used military jargon or you didn't, whatever, but you had to work together. And so I think Rainbow Six does something similar where you had to really work together, but there's it's, it is a multiplayer experience. Uh, there's not a lot of games that do that really do that anymore. And, and that, that makes me think that you know a, a lot of these games like uh, Call of Duty that have a very strong multiplayer experience, but are trying to work in these microtransactions. My argument is I think games like that should be free. I think those games should be free 
and the microtransactions be included in there, especially if they're not going to have much of a single-player experience to speak of. If you are going to develop a single-player experience and have multiplayer as kind of an afterthought or something that you work in later, I'll pay full price for that game. I'll pay full price for something that is contained, a contained experience. Um, but anything that's, that is going to be heavy, heavy in microtransactions or any of that, I think should be, should be free. And then, you know, they'll make their money probably hand over fist exponentially more just from the microtransactions. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's a wise idea. And I think it would draw a line in the sand between where you're allowed to do that and where you aren't. Um, because if you're charging full price for a game, I don't think you should be able to do it um, right. to throw in these extra microtransactions. DLC, different, different. story. Different but, story. like, we yeah. don't need two currencies. We don't need all this extra business. There's no reason for that. It's um, just deceptive and unnecessary, you know? Yeah. And, and I would say that multiplayer games are become less fun as they move away from game and move into skill or task. So, you know, if a single player game is dead, then you're losing the ability to put something on easy and enjoy an interactive story. Right. If you're just playing multiplayer, you have to either get good or get out, you know, and if you get good, it becomes a, a task, a skill. Like as much as I like MMOs and enjoy playing them, I enjoyed playing them because I was good at the skill of raiding. Right. You know, that's very different than enjoying a story. After a while, I stopped paying attention. You'd skip through the cutscenes. You wouldn't even pay attention. You'd be looking for dialogue cues to know when to start attacking. That's not actually (laughs) playing the game. That's more honing a skill, which is fun in its own right, but for completely different reasons. Yeah. You're checking the box then, so... Mm, yeah. Then it's about acquiring loot and whatnot, and you know, <laughs> being more, tactically savvy. More loot. More. more. I need those oranges. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, good. Well, I think we solved all the world's problems. If you just listen to this podcast, you will know what to do. AAA publishers, uh, just <laughs> get better. Do better. Yeah, that get good. Us, yeah, get good. Get good at your job. Stop trying to swindle us. Brings us to our last topic, uh, our featured favorite section, where we select a, a game which is not necessarily critically acclaimed, but one of our favorites, and uh, and one that we would return to and maybe even play, uh, you know, regardless of the time period, regardless of, of what games are out there, these are games that we might revisit, but just some of our favorites. So, Amanda, what is your featured favorite this week? Well, I talked about it last week, uh, namely in comparison to a game that will never be on my featured favorite. Um, and so my featured favorite is going to be Diablo 3. Um, and actually for a lot of the same reasons that we've just discussed. So even though it is a multiplayer experience um, in, a, in a lot of regards, and I think it excels when you play it in a multiplayer experience, especially with people who have a bit of respect for aesthetic. So... For example, they don't feel like they have to break every single box in a room because when you get to a certain level in Diablo, there's literally no point to break boxes anymore. So, you know, 
especially if people like to do, you know, speed runs or full sweeps or things like that, I think that can be quite fun playing the game itself. Not really worrying about, like, tactics or anything like that because you kind of get into a flow of what you should be pushing. But more, like, looking at the enemies that are being generated, thinking about, like, the sort of room that you're in and, you know, whether you're getting log jammed into a corner, you know. I think Diablo 3 is a solid dungeon crawl experience if you like that kind of game. Um, you can play it by yourself, but I highly recommend playing it with, you know, a few friends. Um, because I think then you kind of get to see the benefits of all the different classes um, and how well they work together. It's really well balanced. Everybody's moves are really cool, and they don't overtake each other for, like, visual supremacy. Right. So you can still see what your character is doing, even in a huddle of 100 other characters, which is a big criticism of mine of traditional MMOs, is that when you get into a heel huddle, you can't see anything else but, you know, uh, the holy hymns going up. Like, it's just right. too bright yellow, and it just drowns everything out, you know? And I think you lose some of the fun of playing your character if you can't see the cool moves that you're doing and stuff. Um, so I would say uh, solid featured favorite, definitely worth picking up. It's pretty cheap now. It's been out a long time. Um, but it's still on, you know, Xbox One. You can play it on the latest gen console. I, I think you can play it on PS4 now. I don't know. I don't have one. Um, but definitely recommend it. Solid experience all the way around single or multiplayer. Nice. Yeah, I love Diablo 3. <clears throat> I, I didn't play Diablo 2 as much uh, or, the, or the original Diablo, but uh, Diablo 3 I got when it first came out. I had a laptop that that it chugged so bad when i tried to play that game it just would not so i had to wait until i upgraded my pc to actually really get to enjoy it um but yeah good game very good game well for me yeah my featured favorite this week is and i'm surprised i looked back to see if i had listed this game um and and i had not uh but i did i did mention one of its sequels and i think uh, I think basically the well, I, I don't really have a, a good. Uh, I, I don't really have a because I think before I said that I wasn't going to list a whole lot of Final Fantasy games, and um, or at least I was going to try to pick and choose which ones. I think Final Fantasy. Yeah, was. you did. Are you listing another Final Fantasy game? Well, I think because I, I already listed the Met or the uh, Metal Gear game that I wanted to that I wanted to list. Um, and I think I, I think I, uh, yeah, I, I just, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, I have to, because, and there's one major reason for this, because I have never played a game like I did Final Fantasy VII. Um, the, the closest I ever came was Final Fantasy III, um, where I would sit and play. I, the, when it came out, and I believe it was 1997 is when Final Fantasy VII came out. And so I had just graduated high school, and I was still really big into uh, RPGs. And uh, when it came out, I remember over Christmas break from college, over Christmas break, I had just played it pretty much all day, every day. And there was, so there would be eight, six, seven, eight hour stints that I would sit and play. And it was back then when RPGs, you knew an RPG was going to take you to, 40, 50 hours. That was an that was a standard playtime for an RPG. And so 
I knew that was kind of the what you were getting when you you know you started, and and that was the kind of gaming experience that I really looked forward to. And these were the type of games that kind of shaped that that expectation for me. But uh, I think one of my favorite memories was uh, not because this is before really the internet uh, being a, a place where you could go find uh, much help outside of like somebody writing a game fact for you. And you had to go read, like, and actually find the exact part because it was it was actually written out, no pictures, just written out on game facts. So I fought the, uh, I believe it was the Emerald Weapon. I don't know if any, if you remember, if you played Final Fantasy VII and you had to, okay. The the they had Emerald Weapon and Ruby Weapon, and I don't know if there was another one, but I know those were the two main ones. And basically, as you flew around in your airship you could find the emerald weapon just kind of walking across the countryside. I think the emerald weapon actually was underwater. Ruby weapon was on on land, I think. Uh, anyway, there's this giant monster that was out there, this big green Godzilla-like monster. When you got to him, you didn't really know what you were getting into other than this is kind of like a world boss. And so you don't have to fight him. There is no re- you know, if you if you want to avoid him through the whole game, you can. But once you finally do... It's about a 30 or 45 minute fight. And which at the time nowadays, I'd be like, F that. I'm not going to do that. But back then, that was a part of the gaming experience. 45 minutes was nothing when I was going to sit for seven or eight hours to play this game anyway. <laughs> so uh, I remember sitting and not knowing how long it was going to be and uh, trying to fight uh, and, and the sense of accomplishment that you got from from finishing it it's probably one of the really f- it's it's one of the first uh, rpg experiences i had um i think the 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 five big ones this is one of the one of the five big experiences that i think i had uh with chrono trigger being one of them which i've already listed before final fantasy 9 Final Fantasy 3, and then Final Fantasy 7. I promise there are no more Final Fantasies that can make this list. I promise. None. Bloody better not be. None. No more Final Fantasies can you make cheater. this list. cheater. I know, I did. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to start saying, like, Dragon Age Origins, Dragon Age 2, <laughs> well, Dragon you know, Age 3, is, Dragon the, Age 4. The point of this list, though, for me, is, is are these, these are games that, that uh, these are my featured favorites that I... That I if I had a library and these are the only games that I could own, this would be one of them. Absolutely, there. This would be a game I would I would own. And I think that if you all right, bye. <laughs> if you play games and you like RPGs and you haven't played this one yet, they've remastered it, and it, it, I imagine that from looking at it, it's absolutely worth playing. So, yeah. Ching. So we're gonna have to. You're gonna have to print out that list of featured favorites because yeah, unlike gonna, you, I try not to list any sequels. So I know. Well, I've ruined <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> I think as I That's look, right, I look back fine. at the list. So anyway, well, that wraps up this episode of the Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, TempleOfGeek.com. Any questions or comments? Sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. Please head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later. later.